This week on the Iowa Watch Connection. Quite often things get wiggled and watered down before all three of us can agree. We're five weeks into the 2017 Iowa legislative session. I'm disappointed uh, when it comes to Medicaid. I'm disappointed when it comes to mental health. And there's plenty of action on both sides. I take no news as bad news, otherwise he'd be taking credit for it. A legislative update, our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism. Online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. Republicans have not had a majority in both the Iowa House and Senate, along with a governor from their party, for 20 years. Add to that a change in the governor's office soon, and this year's legislative session was bound to be interesting. Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism Executive Director and Editor Lyle Muller has our report. The tone already was in place when the Iowa legislature opened this year's session on January 9th and moved into Governor Terry Branstad's condition of the state address on January 10th. Republicans, armed with firm control of the House, Senate, and Governor's office, had unfinished business from when Democrats controlled the Senate and blocked what Republicans wanted to do. And Democrats were ready to oppose the most hotly debated bills Republicans brought to the Senate after taking control in November. There was a new collective bargaining bill, for example, for public employees. It narrows the scope of mandatory negotiable items and removes union dues checkoffs, political committee checkoffs, and a lot of other items, including health insurance for bargaining units whose majority is not engaged in public safety. There was defunding Planned Parenthood, talking about education reform while increasing spending for kindergarten through high school 1.1% next school year, and removing $118 million in previously planned spending from this year's state budget. I'm disappointed uh, when it comes to Medicaid. I'm disappointed when it comes to mental health. Uh, I'm disappointed that uh, he feels proud of a budget that has went from nearly a billion, uh, $900 million pardon me, surplus in 2013 down to being $147.9 million in the hole. That was Democratic Representative Bruce Berenger of Olwine speaking with Iowa Watch reporter Krista Johnson after Branstad delivered that condition of the state address on January 10th. Berenger found some common ground with the governor on matters such as promoting wind energy, increasing Iowa's skilled workforce, and strengthening penalties for distracted driving and texting on cell phones. Across the aisle, State Representative Clell Baudler, a Greenfield Republican and former state trooper, also liked the idea of beefing up penalties for distracted driving when we caught up with him that same day on the House floor in Des Moines. Because of technology, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I think at this time we have to uh, beef it up, make it a, a primary violation texting and driving. Uh, I don't think there's any question that we should not do it. But the fall election, with its rambunctious presidential campaign at the top of the ticket, had been in many ways a bitter one, and it spilled into state government. Here was State Representative Charles Eisenhart, a Dubuque Democrat, after Governor Branstad's condition of the state address. As you can see, I have two thermometers on my desk. Um, 
relating to two of the goals he set in 2010 that had broad bipartisan support, create 200,000 new jobs and increase average family incomes by 25%. So I was hoping he, we'd find out today what kind of progress we've made toward those goals, and he didn't mention either of them, so I take no news as bad news, otherwise he'd be taking credit for it. The State House was busy that day when we talked with legislators about Branstad's theme-setting address. State Senator Daniel Zumbach, a Republican from near the eastern Iowa town of Ryan, assessed it all a few weeks later. Well, this is a huge change for me being in the majority, where the past four years I've kind of had to ride the ship and uh, respond to which, which direction it's going, where this year we're driving a ship and uh, able to pass some policy that we feel is in the best interest, but it's a lot more work driving the ship. Republican legislators have high hopes for this session they're leading. Even so, Zumbach noted that while the House, Senate, and Governor's Office are Republican, differences within the ruling political party can exist too. Overcoming them will be key to realizing Republican hopes overall for this legislative session. Well, the, the thing that uh, is difficult to put together is, is I'm in the Senate, so you have that third of the leg, and then you have the House, the other third of the leg, and then you have the governor, who's the other third of the leg. And uh, quite often things get wiggled and watered down before all three of us can agree. And so sometimes that watering system to get everyone to agree is what uh, derails things. The report from Iowa Watch Executive Director and Editor Lyle Muller. You heard Senator Zumbach talk about driving the ship. Predictably, Democrats have been critical about how that ship is being run. State Senator Jeff Danielson, a Cedar Falls Democrat, told me earlier this month, a few weeks after the session was underway, that the first bills were passed quickly and with little committee evaluation. Well, I'm a Navy guy, so the majority party, Republicans, probably don't have their sea legs underneath them yet. Um, that's not unusual. Um, and they're taking on some controversial topics right away, uh, defunding Planned Parenthood, for example. And so, you know, that's their priority. Elections have consequences. But James Madison set the process up to be slow, and some people have trouble adjusting to that. And the opposition to some measures advocated by Republicans remains strong. This past week, the governor signed the K-12 funding bill into law with its 1.1% increase for the coming academic year. That's less than the governor requested and far less than Democrats wanted. Prior to the bill being passed, Iowa State Education Association President Tammy Warrow told me the funding issue was crucial to her and her members. So the way I look at it um, is that the pie <laughs> has gotten smaller that education funding is being cut out of. So on you, you we can both make an argument and probably both be correct, <laughs> but in the end, the actual dollars that are going to help support our kids is smaller. Class sizes are larger. Um, less course offerings are happening because the pie that we're able to cut education funding out of has gotten dramatically smaller because of tax credits that are give, being given back and tax cuts. So, you know, um, I'm a fifth grade teacher, but when you take 50% um, out of uh, 100 or 50% out of 200, that's a big difference in numbers and what you're actually getting. Just this past week, the collective bargaining bill, House File 84, was introduced. 
United Faculty is the union and chief negotiating agent for faculty at the University of Northern Iowa. United Faculty President Dr. Joe Gorton told Iowa Watch Connection affiliate KXEL the facts of the 68-page bill speak for themselves. That this is really an attempt to completely do away with collective bargaining for public employees, something which I would say, by the way, goes to our First Amendment right to assimilate. And Gorton says some area lawmakers are not aware of all the effects of the bill should it be passed. And this is part of the problem is people don't understand how collective bargaining works. So for public employees, there are three types of topics. Mandatory, which means both parties have to talk about it. Permissive, which means either party can say we're not going to talk about it. And prohibitive, which means no matter what, neither party can talk about it. And what they've done is take all the topics, about 17 of them, that we were able to talk about. They, they were mandatory topics that both parties have to talk about, those parties. They've taken all of those topics and uh, in this law and will change them from being mandatory to being prohibited. I think one of them will be permissive. One of the most troubling parts about this is I'm, I met with a Senator Craig Johnson and Representative Sandy Salmon over the weekend at a forum, and neither one of them have any idea what, say, for instance, a recertification election is. They don't know the differences between mandatory, prohibitive, permissive topics. They don't know that this bill is going to affect more than 200,000 Iowans and their families. They don't know what the impact of this is going to be upon services. They have no idea. Gordon spent this past Wednesday at the State House for subcommittee hearings on the bill. He described the support, or lack of support, he witnessed in Des Moines for the bill. I was uh, able to attend the Senate uh, subcommittee hearing, and uh, there was a lot of really strong opposition voiced by people from all over Iowa. I walked in about 15 minutes after the hearing started. Uh, I didn't see anybody or hear anyone say anything in support of this bill. But I heard a lot of folks, including uh, a county sheriff who's a Republican Party chair, I believe in Montgomery County, uh, speak strongly against the bill. Now, while it may be clear why members of public employee unions are concerned, why should the rest of us care? First of all, you know, in United Faculty and a lot of other places in education, we say that faculty working conditions are student learning conditions. So when we're going to take away a right that people have had for 40 years and just strip that away from them, you can rest assured it's going to affect people's morale, it's going to affect their motivation. Eighty percent of people at UNI who said they would consider leaving, 90 percent said that this will adversely affect their morale, that, that law. University of Northern Iowa Professor Joe Gorton is president of United Faculty on the Cedar Falls campus. When we come back, we'll talk to a veteran Iowa reporter who has covered the legislature and these issues for decades. We'll get his perspective next as the Iowa Watch Connection continues. Support for the Iowa Watch Connection comes from the Iowa Insurance Division's Iowa Fraud Fighters Program. This statewide initiative educates Iowans on how to double check before they invest and shield their savings from scammers. Thousands of Iowans have attended fraud fighter forums across the state to learn about new scams circulating in their area and how to stay a step ahead of fraudsters. Learn how to fight fraud and why it is important to report scams at iowafraudfighters.gov. 
The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. Ed Tibbetts is a longtime political reporter for the Quad City Times based in Davenport. We spoke Friday morning about the legislative session so far. You and I spoke for this program before the legislative session began. We talked about things that might happen with a Republican majority and a Republican governor. Any surprises to you at this point, less than a month before the first funnel deadline? No, um, is the short answer. I think we've seen uh, Republicans in control of the legislature tackle those things that um, they have uh, made clear for uh, quite a while now that, that they wanted to do. Defunding Planned Parenthood, um, uh, you know, um, going after uh, collective bargaining. Um, that is something that uh, has been in the uh, uh, on the Republican wish list for uh, for years, particularly the governor. Uh, and so, you know, I think that um, immediately they had to deal with uh, budget cuts for the rest of fiscal 17, which they would rather not have done. Uh, but uh, but no, I'd say largely overall they're um, they're uh, in the majority and they're acting like. So are they acting like they have an invincible majority? In other words, there's always a line that you can walk up to and exert your majority influence, but if you go too far, act too punitive, it may serve as a backlash in future elections. Too soon to tell, or where do you think they are going, walking up to the line or going over? Of course, the answer right now is it's, um, it's too soon to tell, uh, because really um, the answer to that question is found um, in, in elections, and our next one isn't until 2018. But um, when you look at some of the things they've done, they're certainly um, uh, uh, they're, they're certainly rushing into the line pretty hard. Um, the collective bargaining bill that um, was just put up is a um, uh, is a substantial rewrite of uh, of current rules. You know, eliminating. Um, uh, funding for Planned Parenthood is uh, something that uh, I think people expected to happen, uh, but has generated a, uh, a big reaction. And so, um, you know, just I'd say with those two things, uh, Republicans are, uh, I, I guess I wouldn't say whether they've crossed the line or are going up to the line, but they're behaving like they have control of all the levers of power in Des Moines. And so uh, I think to the extent that it, it, it turns into an overreach, question that will have to be answered on another day. I suppose it's good policy for them or anyone who has that majority power or just assumes that majority power to get as much done as soon as possible while you're still in good graces with the voters because it does not take very long for moods to change. Is that sort of why some of this is moving along perhaps even more quickly than some had thought? Well, you know, I remember taking part in a panel discussion before the legislative session had started, and and, and the question basically was asked: um, Do do they um, do they move fast? Uh, do they be far-reaching, or are, should they be more circumspect? And I was sitting there with a, a longtime uh, Republican strategist, uh, somebody who be, used to be uh, chair of the state party, and his uh, uh, his 
um, argument was uh, seize the day. Um, you don't know when you're going to have these types of opportunities, and so you, you know, you you seize the day, and and it looks like that's what they're doing. Um, I, you know, again, um, this is prompting a strong reaction uh, among Democrats. I, I have seen, and people on the left, I have seen uh, very sizable rallies and more energy out of uh, the left side of the political equation than I've seen in a long time. And, of course, the question is, is, um, is that sustainable, and is that something that turns into action when it comes to uh, Election Day? It's always hard to harness that kind of emotion and keep it as a sustained effort over the course of what amounts to two years. I wonder if some of the stridency by the Republicans in the legislature is in part due to the fact that Governor Branstead is still the governor and is still running the show, and so they've got him there literally having their back should there be a conflict. Well, I think the governor wants to accomplish certain things before he goes on uh, to uh, become the ambassador of China, um, you know, um, uh, assuming that he will be confirmed by the Senate. Uh, and I think that um, with collective bargaining, that's one of the things that I'm sure that he would like to affix his name to. Um, and, and so, you know, we are seeing, um, you know, that bill move uh, rather quickly. There's supposed to be votes on it next week. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sure that uh, Governor Branstad would like to sign that bill. Um, to the extent that he's able to backstop Republicans, you know, someday um, everybody's going to have to answer for their own vote. We're talking with Ed Tibbetts of the Quad City Times. You read his work in various Lee Enterprises newspapers across the state of Iowa, including in Sioux City, Mason City, and Waterloo. Were you surprised with the amount of funding that was given to K-12? In other words, far less than the Democrats wanted, even less than the governor wanted, or with the speed with which that measure was passed? Well, certainly I think the, uh, the speed with which um, it was passed is a change from what we've seen in the past. Generally, um, you know, uh, allowable growth, what we used to call allowable growth in the old days, those, those bills have, have tended to come later. Uh, as for the amount, um, you know, I think we've seen in recent years that, uh, uh, that uh, Republicans who have controlled the House have wanted between 1 and 2 percent. Republicans, or rather Democrats, who have controlled the Senate want somewhere around 4. And, and generally it ends up being on the lower end. That it was 1 percent, uh, I think, uh, or just a shade above 1 percent, uh, is, is probably a little bit less than maybe uh, some fi- some people figure that it would be even with uh, full Republican control of the legislature and the governor's mansion, uh, but but it's not terribly out of line with uh, with some of the uh, 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 some of the increases that they've given in the past. I wonder if some of it is because there had to be budget reversions this year, so they were being overly cautious as opposed to anything more nefarious in terms of coming up with that lower number. Well, um, the argument on the Republican side is that uh, uh, that they only have so much money to spend, and and so and and since they don't um, take money uh, from one-time sources for um, ongoing expenses, they only have so much money to spend, um, and, and particularly at a time when uh, the Revenue Estimating Conference uh, has revised downward the expected revenues for the state. Now, the argument on the other side is that uh, uh, these revenues didn't need to be as uh, uh, as 
uh, as small as they are or, or as diminished as they are if uh, Republicans hadn't passed uh, uh, tax cuts, particularly the uh, commercial property tax reform bill in 2013, um, if they hadn't passed those types of things. And so in, in some ways, um, the argument on both sides sort of depends on where you start. A couple of more things. Is the collective bargaining move that came up this week and seems to be on a pretty fast track, is that pretty much assured of passage essentially as is regardless of any union or Democrat opposition? Well, uh, I'd hate to make a prediction that that nothing is going to change. Um, This bill is moving quickly. It was introduced last Tuesday. It's uh, been in committee already. It's supposed to be on the floor next week. And so so far there's nothing been done uh, that looks like it will slow this train down. But at the same time, um, lawmakers uh, will go back to their districts, and some are having meetings. I just went to one this morning uh, in a Republican district where it, there was about 50 people, predominantly um, from the left, who wanted to criticize this collective bargaining bill. Whether that has an impact, whether those types of meetings have an impact, and when legislators go back on Monday, they see things different, uh, differently, I think that, that remains to be seen. Ed Tibbetts, reporter for the Quad City Times, on Twitter at Ed Tibbetts, E-D-T-I-B-B-E-T-T-S. And that brings us to the end of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can connect with us online, iowawatch.org. Click on the Iowa Watch Connection tab at the top of the page to listen to all or part of this program again for a list of stations that carry the program and more iowawatch.org. Follow us on Twitter at iowawatch and be sure to use the hashtag iawatchconnection when commenting about the program. We're on Facebook too, facebook.com slash iowawatch. And you can let us know your thoughts about this program or suggest ideas for future programs by email. The address is radio at iowawatch.org. The program is produced in the studios of KXCL Radio, Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Cedar Rapids. I'm Jeff Stein. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.